0: to episode 8 of My Fancy Zamboni slightly different this time we do not have the booming laugh of Dave uh, but we are joined by the man, the legend, Mr. Gareth Dutton hello Greff. hello Joe hello and we are joined by number 25 himself the man who's had a couple of weeks off until last week it's Andy Stafford
1: hello Joe, good evening good evening
0: good evening so, um, not necessarily as much to discuss as last week, I think yeah, a little bit of an anticlimax following a double whammy episode last week, obviously we had a, a week off, um, but shall we start by going over the fixtures for, uh, well, the weekend just gone. Um, this is quite strange, if this is Dave's job, that <laughs> it seems a bit weird somebody else having to do it, but... Uh, I've prepared myself, I've got a list in front of me. So, league-wise, we had a game on Friday where the Dundee um, Stars beat the Milton Keynes Lightning 4-3 in overtime. Um, Saturday in the league, we had Storm losing 4-3 in overtime to the Giants. We had the Clan beating MK 6-4. Uh, the Steelers beat the Panthers 2-1 in overtime. And the Flyers lost out to the Blaze 3-2 in a shootout. Um, On Sunday in the league, it was 3-2 to the Giants against the Panthers in overtime. Uh, We then saw the Flames get a 4-0 win against the Storm. And then the Flyers beat Milton Keynes 4-1. That wraps up the league games. And then obviously in the Challenge Cup, we also had the Devils losing to the Flames 5-3 on Saturday. And then the Devils coming back from the Saturday loss for a 4-0 win. Against Coventry, um, Andy, what what were your what were your thoughts about the games over the weekend? What was what were your standout moments?
1: Um, it's a great result for Guildford 5-3 uh, over Cardiff. Um, Cardiff have been very very strong as of late. Uh, the, the climbing that table and the, the running the band was very close. Uh, but uh, it's a fantastic result for Guildford. Uh, and also, for, uh, a great result for uh, Belfast as well, albeit in in overtime. Um, against the Panthers but no there's some good results there uh, which will benefit the teams that really need those points
0: Yeah it's true certainly the Flames I mean I know that the um, obviously the Saturday game was a Challenge Cup game but as you say I mean the, the 4-0 win on the Sunday against the Storm certainly helps a team that uh, you know, that have been doing surprisingly well so far so it will help them carry on adding some strength to their league campaign Gref what, what did you think What were your, what was your impression of the weekend?
2: Uh, my impression, probably one that we didn't think would happen, we all said Fife were going to win against Coventry, and Coventry won on penalties. That's a, a bit of a shocker.
0: <laughs> yeah, I've, I've got to say, I mean, in fairness, that was one that really surprised me. I, I mean, I knew it about the, the result on the Saturday after the games, but it, it was one that I kind of sat down and wrote down and thought, "Wow, I forgot that happened." Um, yeah. So yeah, no, it was a bit of a shocker. Um, I don't know, for me, as you say, some, some good results. I mean, the Steelers getting the 2-1 win over the Panthers. Um, somewhat surprising result after the Panthers led the way for a good 50 minutes in that game. Um, Dundee, Milton Keynes. Milton Keynes taking the stars to overtime. And that's quite a good result for Milton Keynes, in fairness. Um, but MK really showing now that they need to start getting some wins under their belt. I mean, they, they obviously got the one point from the OT loss on the Friday but then they lost out 6-4 to the clan on the Saturday and they lost out 4-1 to the Flyers on the Sunday so certainly you know they're starting to dwindle down at the bottom of the league I know that they had a few games in hand to the Steelers but in fairness lost probably two of those this weekend so you know I think I think they're setting their position dead bottom of the league at the moment Um, so I mean in fairness Gref you, you were there at the game on Saturday as we move on to the next item on the agenda what the hell happened in Manchester
2: uh, <clears throat> a lot of penalty minutes <laughs> uh, a few fights and some big hits That uh, they'll definitely be looked at by Docs for certain so who, the, who would were.
0: who were the big hits from what was, what was I mean I, I, I haven't really had a chance, chance to have a look um, you know, I don't know if the highlights are up yet but who, who were the aggressors? Who were the victims? Was it a bit of both? Was it one team instigating?
2: Uh, I think it was more a bit of both. But then I think there was like one hit that wasn't really, from my perspective, it wasn't really like a big hit. It was just one of their players, I think it was Fairland, he turned round. And as he turned round, Kieran Long was there. So they hit each other and obviously Furlong was down on the ice and he was he did look really hurt as soon as that happened Leonard from Belfast dropped the gloves straight away and him and Kieran fought and in like I'd say it was about a minute and a half afterwards you had Belfast captain Blair Riley from behind getting a boarding penalty against Riley Stadel that it just went on from there. It was big hits after big hits, gloves dropping just after every whistle.
0: But there was there was some there some instigator penalties given out as well in the game. Or was it was it just fighting majors that were given?
2: Uh, no, there was a few. There was a uh, Curtis Leonard. He got one. He got an instigator penalty, and then Dallas Earhart got an instigator penalty, and then uh, there was a, a Shane Vapor fight. He got two for charging and five for fighting. Whilst I'm not not too sure who it was that on the Belfast team, but he got two plus ten for instigating and five for fighting. It was rough and tumble night, you could say. Fair play. So I mean,
0: and, and yeah. Well, I mean, in fairness, we've we've had discussions before on here about about the instigator penalty. I think it's probably a bad good idea for us to steer clear of that. Otherwise, you know, we could be talking for an hour about that. Um, and then, obviously, then you move to the Sunday. Um, I mean, I know you were at the game, there was no webcast, but, I mean, do you, do you
2: know what happened there? Do you know who was involved? Uh, who wasn't involved, you could say. <laughs> you had Matt Ginn getting a, a two minutes for roughing from there's a video going around. Not sure if you've seen that, but didn't look too good for uh, from our perspective. Hopefully the league hasn't seen that, but they got tagged in it, so they probably have. <laughs> you are... Harrison Root getting a, a penalty for uh, getting a game of conduct as well for fighting. Dallas Heart third man in. You had Declan Barmer getting a leaving the bench penalty, so he got chucked out as well. And you had like little five foot eight Evan Richardson having a fight with a guy that's six foot two. The guy is the guy is, he plays like plays like me a little bit. He's want to say boo to a to a ghost, <laughs> but like. It's knowing he's had a fight. It's like wow.
0: <laughs> yeah, it certainly shows that something's gone wrong. Yeah, I mean, Andy. I mean, Manchester accumulated a total of hundred and seventy-five penalty minutes over the two games at the weekend. I mean, I mean, that's 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 possibly more than certain teams rack up in a season. But um, I mean, that aside, I mean, Storm lost four-three on the Saturday. They obviously lost the four-nil on on the Sunday. Do we think it? Do we? and I, I'll bring this to Greth as well in a minute, obviously as the Storm fan, but there's a lot of talk over the league across different fan bases that this is a tactic that's starting to creep through in Storm play. Do we think this is something that Finity's starting to bring in more to kind of take the edge off when they're losing or to try and get them back into the game if they're, if they're, if they're behind in a game?
1: I have uh, seen some posts from different fans from around the league and, um... I think it is just one of his tactics, uh, just, just the old rough play. Um, it has worked for them in the past. I've maybe got some good results from uh, just being that bit more physical, but uh, I think in this case, it's, it's not really worked for him. I, I don't think they have got the right players to really do that. Um, and yeah, I, I I just think it's um, not a great idea, really, to, to have that much physicality, especially now when Dops have got more stronger on their, on their uh, intervention their the league and and their decisions um, so I think they do need to have a, a bit more discipline
0: and do you think obviously when you say that you say that you don't think it's necessarily working for them as much as it has in the past do you think that's down to the squad that they've got do you think it's down to general squads across the league and, and the fact that fighting is taking a bit more of a backseat or, or do you think it is just down to the fact that they don't necessarily have the players to make those plays at the moment?
1: I think it's a bit of both um, I think losing uh, Eric Nielsen uh, and Jay Rose still has made a, a bit of an impact, there's not really any, any fighter that stands out uh, on that team, I and mean, I, I think losing them too is, is a big edge that's lost from that team um, so yeah, I, I, I think it is both uh, the players that we've got uh, and just, just other um, team players as well, just massively upgraded to a point where don't really have that fire to that person that might really step in. It's, it's more of like a, a, a team play now, I guess.
0: So what, what, what's your impression on that, Greth? I mean, obviously you're, you, you get to watch the Manchester team week in, week out, whereas obviously we only see them really on highlight reels. And, and obviously when they come over to Sheffield... What what's your kind of take on that? Do you agree with Andy that it's a case that you guys are just lacking the fighters in the squad?
2: I don't really think we're lacking the fighters. Well, we've got one person that's injured at the moment with Lyndon Springer. <clears throat> He's a very good fighter. You've seen that the fight against Grouton at, Bre- at Glasgow, sorry, and then you've got Shane Baker. He's a pretty good fighter. I think they're pretty much the two out for out fighters and, and that could actually fight properly in our team the rest are just they're in there I mean when you see the likes of Declan Palmer getting in, getting involved it's like wow I've watched you since you played in the the, the old EPL and you were never a fighter in that league <laughs>
0: And do you agree, I mean, what's your take on, on it being a tactic of Finities once you start going down in a game? I mean, I have to admit, uh, I know that me and Dave kind of turned around to each other when you guys started losing against us last week. Um, I know that week, sorry, the weekend before last, um, I know that we kind of turned around and said, this is the time when Finity sends his guys out to start throwing in the hits and, and start turning the play a little bit. Is it something that he likes to do to stir the pot and get the game changed?
2: I think it is, I think, well, I think you can see it sometimes in the NHL as well, you send out you guys to throw the big hits, you get the, you, your, your fans, especially on the road trips, you get your fans cheering, you get to quiet the opposition down, it's, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't.
0: Yeah, I've got to say, I know that, I mean, a lot of people are brandishing the Storm as, I mean, in fairness, the worst... Attempt at a pun ever in brandishing the stormers goonchester. I think um, I I think it's a bit silly, really. I agree. I think it is one of um, one of the tactics Infinity's back pocket. But I think it's everybody's trying to put it in a bad light, and everybody's trying to make it, you know, put a bad tone on it, and starting to say, look, oh, this isn't this isn't right. This isn't the way things are done anymore. I don't know. I mean, I don't know if it's the old school hockey fan in me. I, I, you know. You've got to love the point when there's a, there's, a, there's a good scrap in the middle of the ice. I mean, I can't remember the last time that I saw you know two players go centre-ice. Right, this is going, the, the two big boys, it's been talking all week and this is going. So it's nice to see that brought in to try and change the game. And uh, I mean, I've said it a number of times before in, in games where we've gone down maybe start to mid-third period. And I've kind of said then, you know, this is the point where you want, you want to bring your big guy on. I said it a few times last year, this is the point where Tomo should be bringing on Fitzie and getting him to t- square up to their big guy and say, right, we're going. And it, it just doesn't happen anymore. And everybody's kind of having a dig at Manchester for it and saying, oh, you're being goons and oh, this, yes, oh your team's no good. And so you're bringing out the rough play. Whereas, in I, fairness, I'm quite happy for them to carry on doing that. I'd, I'd quite like Sheffield to start doing that. And I certainly think if Sheffield did do that, you'd get a lot less fans complaining when we start losing games because you, you, know, at least you're bringing that entertainment factor in still as well. I don't know what you guys
2: think. I know. I totally agree. It it brings the entertainment factor for the people that are there, especially if they're new fans. And now they've heard, they've watched like YouTube clips of fights happening in hockey. They have come to watch a game, and then they see that happening. They're going to come back the week after. Because they're going to expect another
0: we'll fight. Yep. Yeah, I completely agree. I mean, you I mean, see Steelers signed um, Jordan Owens this year and they, they bring out his highlight reel video to say we've signed this guy and every video was a fight and he hasn't dropped the gloves once. <laughs> you just think, I mean, I know the game's changed, but you know, surely you could find some videos of him scoring if that's the role he's going to take. Um, but I, I certainly agree. I, I think... You know, you see a fight in a game. You're rearing to see another one. You're reeling for the next game where you hope it happens again. And as you say, it certainly helps to bring back fresh blood and new blood um, into games. If they've seen a scrap, they're certainly going to want to come back and see more. But Andy. What do you think about that? Do you agree? Do you think? Do you, do you think there's no place for it anymore, or, or do you think there is still a place for it, and it just needs to come back? I
1: think it just needs to come back. I mean, uh, I'm sure as a few of us remember. Uh, especially Steelers fans. I remember the uh, bench clearing in the no game in two thousand and one. Um, since then, I, I think that the rivalry between us us two has dropped a lot. I think a big reason is, is because of the physicality, the um, the emotion. Um, it's it's not there as it used to be, and I think it's something that, that does need to come back.
0: Yeah, I agree. I think it it turns rivalries a bit stale, doesn't it? Do I even I even remember a few years ago when. Um, we, when we played Storm on New Year's Day and it was, who was your, it was before Finity, was it Sylvain Cloutier that was your coach then? No, we had, no, had Pasha. Pasha, that was it, sorry, not Cloutier. Um, mm. I, I always get those two mixed up in fairness. Um, you know, you, you had Pasha on, in fairness, it was a time when he was playing and we we, we went ahead in the game and he was he just started smashing he just started smashing sticks up and started going mad and you just started
2: thinking, oh, was that, <laughs> was that one when he like smashed the, the, the penalty box glass um, escape yeah it might have been yeah
0: but it, it, you, you just don't see any of it anymore I mean that was a rivalry even then that was the rivalry he, he showed what it meant to him to win the game and and now there's, there's, there's not even that I mean you get Schoenemann th- smashing his stick and throwing it on the ice and getting a match ban but I mean that's not even against a rival of theirs that just looked like it was because he was throwing his toys out the pram because they'd lost the game but <laughs> I, I certainly think the rivalry between the likes of like Sheffield and Nottingham, Sheffield and Manchester, it's going a little stale because the product on the ice isn't—it's not a rivalry anymore. It's—it's it's just a game, you know. It's—it's it's not like you're going oh, you know, Lapine and Lapine and Tim Spencer are going to go or do you know anything like that? It's just oh, yeah, nothing's going to happen. Like,
2: I remember like back in the old ISL days, you had like. Rob Trumbler coming out of the penalty box for Storm and fighting Scott Allison hmm. literally he just came out of the penalty box and just started fighting it's like that caused like a whole bench clearance as well it's just those times were great it brought me back to hockey
0: exactly in mean, fairness i, I... I don't want to say that I don't think I'd be watching hockey still if it wasn't for the fights, but it's certainly, particularly. I mean, I started watching when I was a when I was when I was a kid. I know that Andy, you were the same, and in fairness, Gref, I'm I'm sure you were the same as well. Like, it particularly when you're a kid, maybe when you're not sure of the rules and oh, you know you're not really sure what's going on. You're trying to follow this little puck around the ice, and you keep losing it but when two big guys start smashing into each other at centre ice then that's certainly something that you go back and tell your friends and want to go back to the next week and I, and I think that's what's drawn so many of the people that go back to, to to watching hockey regularly now I'm sure that's what drew them back to watching hockey or maybe wanting to play hockey but I don't know, I don't know it just seems to be dying out but in fairness, you know the NHL are, are doing their bit to try and get rid and I, I don't really think... Uh, I think we could probably discuss whether it's right or wrong all night so I think it's probably best to steer away from that as well as the instigator penalty but certainly always interesting to have a discussion about but uh, moving away from that moving away from the more controversial side of things as to whether or not there's a place in fighting um, so obviously right or wrong tell us what you think um, Sending in your, your feedback is uh, at MFZ podcast on Twitter and My Fancy Zamboni podcast on Facebook tell us if you think we're right tell us if you think we're wrong Tell us if you think that there's absolutely no place in hockey for it and give us your reasons why or tell us if you agree with us. It's always good to hear feedback and obviously we can always try and uh, bring it into the next episode. Um, But for now, moving on, we've had some additions and subtractions. Um, Not as many necessarily as last week. The first thing, the Steelers seem to have taken a leaf out of the book of MK last week. They've had a bit of a chop and change. Uh, We see the addition this weekend for the Nottingham Panthers game. Ben O'Connor returns from his club in Sweden. Um, So he comes back from Lexans to to return to his hometown club um, in Orange. Andy, what what did you think when we'd announced the signing that we were bringing O'Connor back?
1: I think it's a great signing. Uh, Obviously, we didn't learn uh, until after the signing had been made the reasons. But obviously, he was... It wasn't uh, a right fit from over there. He was missing his his home and, and his family. So uh, it, it, it's a great addition. Uh, I think for him, I, I think he's very happy to be to be back. And the club certainly has has missed his style of play and and, and just him as a player. Uh, and uh, it's a very welcome return time back.
0: Yeah, I completely agree. I mean, I don't I don't know what you thought from the game on Saturday, but I think. We certainly I don't know whether this was just me trying to look for it happening but we certainly seem to be shooting a lot more from the blue line and getting those shots off from the decor as well as trying to skate it in and get the shots off from the slot. I don't know what you thought.
1: Yeah, definitely. uh, O'Connor's got a cracking shot. I mean, he wasn't the uh, leading points for the team last season for nothing. He's he's got a bullet of a shot and uh, he let a few rippers go. Unfortunately, we didn't didn't go in the net but they were really good saves from going in in fairness. So, uh, yeah, Played very well for his uh, first game back, especially uh, playing the night before, uh, uh, grabbing the overtime winner for Lexans and then uh, coming straight to Sheffield and uh, getting in in overtime as well. So, yeah, uh, he he played very well last night. Uh, He had a lot of travelling and uh, from one game to another. He he had a really good game.
0: Yeah, yeah, no, I, I completely agree. Um, and obviously, a man of the match performance for him as well. well. We'll come and discuss that in a little bit. I know that you've got a, a, a couple of things to raise regarding the game on Saturday, so I'll, uh, we'll, we'll come back to that in a bit. Um, Greth, with regards to O'Connor, I mean, do you think it was a bit of an anti climax for him? Obviously, you know, he moved from Sheffield to go and sign for a KHL team. Obviously, they changed the ownership or management, whatever whatever side of things it was that changed, whatever it was that changed, their plans changed with it and out goes the window with Ben O'Connor's contract obviously set on moving away he goes to sign for an Al-Svenskan team do you think one of the reasons that maybe he's come back obviously maybe struggling to adjust maybe difficult for his family obviously he's, he's you know he recently had a kid um, so maybe that's something but do you think it was also down to it being a bit of an anticlimax being maybe not quite the jump that he wanted to make to the KHL no I just think it
2: was mainly the fact that as you mentioned He's got a little, a little kid. He's not long, Not his missus hasn't long had a, a kid herself. So that's going to be <clears throat> the main point. Especially, was it like his first? Yeah, I think, gonna, I think so. Yeah. If yeah. it's his first, and yeah, he's going to definitely want to be there all the time. And then when the rumors have started on social media that he was leaving the Arsvenska league. There was really only one team anyone could think of that he was going to go to. I mean, there would have been other teams that could have afforded him, the likes of Cardiff or Nottingham. But I don't think he'd have he'd ever go to Nottingham and Cardiff. I don't really see them changing any players because they've got a good team as it is.
0: Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. No, I don't necessarily disagree, but it's. it's I think it's certainly something worth thinking about. I mean, I, I asked. Don't necessarily wonder if it was down to you know the the lack of a jump, maybe the shorter jump to the Alsvenskan rather than the KHL, but I don't think he would have been as quick to make the move to the Alsvenskan if it was just a straight move to the Alsvenskan, if he'd not already made that decision to go because he thought he was going to the KHL. Um but no, I completely agree in fairness. I mean when he's just had a kid, obviously he's gonna be one of what does he say, he's gonna want to be there. Um coming back to Sheffield, obviously his dad's here as well. He's, you know, it's going to be a lot more familiar for him, which is something that he needs at this point. Obviously, if he's got a new kid, if, if he's got a young kid as well, so what What was your impression, Greff, when when he signed for the Steelers? Obviously, and you know, I agree with Andy from a Steelers' perspective. Um, you know, he was a good pick up for us, and it's already made a difference in that in that one game he's played. What did you think? Were you were you disappointed from a perspective of, you know, it, it, from the fact that he would strengthened the Steelers' core, or or did you think, all oh, right, fair enough, he's
2: come back. Saw that coming. Uh, yeah, it's not. Like I saw that coming. As soon as we, you, you heard the, the rumours on social media, it's like, yeah, he's going to Sheffield. That's that, that's going to help them get into playoffs, or at least attempt to get in playoffs. It's it's giving you a big push, definitely.
0: Yeah, absolutely. No, I I completely agree. Um, so, as I say, we Steelers did a bit of an MK move, and I, I only brandish it as an MK move because it's exactly what they did last week. Uh, they chopped one player and, and brought in another player. In comes O'Connor, out goes Chris Lawrence. Maybe not quite as like-for-like like as last time. O'Connor comes in to strengthen the blue line, and Chris Lawrence, the centre that was brought in to strengthen the fourth line for the Steelers, um, departs the club. This will be, I believe, let's have a look, well, in fairness, I mean he played sixteen games for Dundee last year. He played a forty-one game season for the Panthers the year before, the season before that, he played for three different elite league teams. So, I mean, in that, in that aspect, not necessarily looking too good for Chris Lawrence at the moment. What What do we think of
1: No, it's not really. I, I think age is just uh, just a factor as, as as well of injuries he's he's had. He's clearly not uh, fully healed from from a, a previous injury and it's nipping a bit and first his performance um but yeah I think this was one of those uh, one of those moves really by Barbarabarasso you know as he says he he wants to bring uh, fresher players and younger players uh, he wants more more of a speedy team and um, just like i said last week i think it, it it'd be great to see uh, who Barrasso can bring in um just for the contest that he's got um, Lawrence was was good for the time that he had here um, but like Tom Barrasso said we need more players with that just that edge that, that faster edge the goal scoring aspect we need more of so I think it is a good a good move from that perspective
0: yeah I, I agree um, Gref as Andy's already pointed out I mean, Barrasso said in his interview he addressed Brendan Brooks um, as well who's obviously gone to yourselves um, you know he addressed that and said that he, he maybe took the decision not to offer him a, a, a newer contract because he was looking obviously he, I mean in fairness with Brooks he did also say that it, it cost a little bit more to keep him over here obviously you've got a house his partner um, as well so obviously it costs a little bit more to keep him but you know he's also said that as a team the Steelers are trying to you know they're trying to bring in some youth as Andy said they're trying to bring in some speed from the times that you've played the Steelers so far that the Storm have played the Steelers and the, from what you've seen do you think that's something that they've been lacking or do you just think it's something that's going to strengthen the team
2: more? I think it was more that it's going to strengthen them. The, the part that they were lacking was the goal scoring part. You're more, Your players were more trying to go for the passes instead of shooting. But now that's, that seems to have changed under yeah. the Brasso.
0: Yeah, I certainly agree. And in, and in fairness, Barrasso said he's going to put a lot of a lot more focus on strengthening up the decor. And, and in, I mean, in fairness, obviously the game against Nottingham, two-one game, low-scoring game. The game against Manchester wasn't necessarily particularly high-scoring the, the week before, but obviously it was a bit more high-scoring than there, than maybe the Sheffield fans have been used to seeing over the last few weeks. Um, Gref, I, I'll ask. I'll ask. I'll keep it with you. Do, do you think that Barrasso seems to be achieving what he's? what he's been aiming to achieve obviously it's taken him a few weeks to get in obviously the Manchester game was his first win um, with the Steelers obviously he then got the loss against Guildford but you know, we've, we've got a couple of wins under his belt now certainly from what we've seen we look like a stronger team but from what you've seen in terms of the results do, do you think Barrasso looks to be strengthening the team and obviously achieving what he's set out to waive in the short term
2: I think he is I mean yeah it's, it's current it's not Coming as slowly as a lot of people would like, it's actually improving game by game. You're not like losing five-one anymore, or getting your pants pulled down by Cardiff and losing six or six-two or something like that. It's you're you're getting a lot better as the as games go along.
0: Yeah, Andy, it, it, it's certainly good to see, isn't it? I mean, as, as Gref said, obviously we didn't have a, the best start to the year. Um, obviously, we got the loss against Guildford on Wednesday. Seeing their results, do you know, this weekend certainly softens the blow a little bit, as, as they certainly seem to be showing uh, themselves to be a lot stronger team in the elite league this year. But do you, do you agree with Greff? Do you think that obviously you'll have seen a little bit more than Greff will have done, obviously, because you, you'll have been at some of the a few more of the games. Um, do you know, do you think that Barrasso has achieved kind of what he's been aiming for in the short term? Have, are we looking a stronger squad now?
1: One hundred percent. Yeah, um, I think he's, he's, he's made some good decisions so far. And uh, uh, the bottom line is, we've needed pure goal scorers. Uh, and uh, O'Connor, you know, as a D man, he has scored a lot of goals, and I think that has been a step in the right direction. Um, but it, including Kieran Brown is on a 2 way deal. Uh, we've got two open spots now. Uh, if he can bring in two quality goal scorers, then we're going to see ourselves climbing that table for sure.
0: Yeah, certainly giving himself some room to build up a nice first line if we can bring in a couple of juicy players as well, but you'll have to wait and see. I think everybody's kind of excited to see what kind of contacts he's got under his belt. Um, Moving away from Sheffield, there has been one other change. Uh, Manchester have obviously brought in Brendan Brooks. They've had their own little version of a chop and change because in Brendan Brooks' place, they've got rid of Marcus Basara. He's gone to play for the five flyers up in Kakadi. Um Gref, it only seems right to bring this to you first because you'll have seen him a little bit more than us. What was what was your take on that? What did you think when that news came out?
2: I was kind of happy that we 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 kind of swapped and got some more offensive firepower in Brendan Brooks. I've seen him in previous years and in Budapest, but with Basara, it didn't really look like the your goal scorer. He was. He, on the right team he could be a good player but under the what finity was trying to pull off his tactics he doesn't look like the right player for that start of game I mean going to five I know he's there on a short term contract whilst they've got an injury he's playing there pretty much for a contract trying to get still stay in this league it seems like what a way to do it first game and he scores he gets a a goal. I mean, against MK. No offense to them, Mike, but it seems that anyone can score past them at the moment. Unfortunately, with their injuries that they're having and the comings and goings. Yeah, no, it's
0: it's true. Um, and as I say, I mean, it's it's quite sad to see because Milton Keynes certainly looked to have slumped off a little bit over the last few weeks, and and they certainly seem to be. um securing their place at the bottom of the league at the moment. But, yeah, it is what it is. As a Steelers fan, it's quite happy to see us not at the bottom of the league, so I'm not going to dwell on that for too long. Um, Andy, what, what do you think about Basara? Do you think, um do you know, obviously, as, as Gref says, maybe not the, the prolific goal scorer that they wanted. He had 12 games and two points for the Storm, comes into Fife and he's already matched his points in two games for the Fife Flyers. Obviously, Fife looking strong... Do you know, towards towards the north end of the league at the moment. Obviously, they're, they're looking strong at the top. Um, but you know, is is it a good player for them to bring in? Um, you know, maybe maybe not the point score that they'd be looking for, but a good way of papering over the injuries.
1: I think it is, yeah. Um, simple fact I don't think it really worked for him Manchester. It wasn't the uh, sort of game style that he was really uh, used to in Infinity's tactics. Um, I've, I think the move to Fife will make a bigger impact for himself. Uh, and, uh, yeah, he's, he's, he's already put a goal up, so uh, it's a positive start already. Uh, the, the funny thing is, with going to Fife, um, the now the, the, Marcus Bissara and Joe Basaraba, uh, which is uh, could become very very uh, confusing. <laughs> but, yeah, um, it's a great addition, uh, and I'm sure he'll, he'll, he'll do a very good job there.
0: Yeah, certainly. Uh, time will tell, but he's certainly already uh, looking to be doing better for the Flyers than he did for the Storm. So maybe he just didn't like playing for you, Griff <laughs> But no, joking aside. No, he. You know, he certainly looks to be a good pickup, and it's always nice to have a guy that can slot straight in um, when you've got injuries. Um, you know, we talked about it last week with Nottingham. Nottingham obviously doing a good job to cover for the injuries, um, and it looks like Fife are going to be doing the same thing as well. So, um, it may have been something that unfolded clubs in the past. Um, I'll bring this into both of you in fairness. I mean I know there have been seasons where the Steelers have dropped off and I know that you know I've been one that said you know in fairness we've hit injuries and, and there was a time when you saw the team that won the league was often the team that almost got the best look in terms of the number of injuries that they sustained. Andy, do you think we're moving away from that in being able to bring in these players to cover the injuries? Do you know we've been able to kind of cover for that bad luck of getting them because we're getting players in this time round.
1: I think it is, yeah. Uh, there's there's always been a, a massive surge in um, in uh, quality players around, uh, not just in in, in Britain but uh, from overseas as well. Uh, so it's, so for whatever reasons, it's, it's just not worked out for, for really good players who are in really good leagues and, and that gives them. Uh, the opportunity to, uh, to make a name for themselves in the in the elite league, and then uh, certainly for the, rem- for the remainder of the season, and then uh, if, if if they do well over here, then that gives them a great uh, opportunity uh, to potentially go uh, to a higher league uh, for next season. So yeah, uh, there's a lot more players available this time of year, and I think it is great for uh, for a lot of teams who are really struggling with injuries at the minute. Yeah, it's true. I mean,
0: Griffy. I mean, you compare. Compare us, I mean, it's a silly comparison to make, but, I mean, you look over at the higher leagues, so leagues like the NHL, obviously they have the they have the, the structures in place to cover for injuries. They obviously have more players than they have spots on the rosters anyway. They also have the players in the two-way deals in the AHL that they can move up and down. Obviously they've got that platform in place to kind of cover for the injuries. Obviously, I mean, they have the budget that they're playing. They They're paying players millions of dollars to play, whereas obviously we're not. But is it a step in the right direction for us as a league to be having teams being able to bring in players? And are these players a step down in terms of quality because they're the players that are still available in October, November, December? Or are these the players that actually they're going to push because they've got a lot to prove? I mean, you look at some of the players that have been brought in mid-season by some of the teams. I mean, as a Sheffield fan, the most standout one to me has been Guillaume Debien. obviously was brought in mid-season by the Steelers and, and kind of marked his way in to be a bit of a, a bit of a hero for a few few seasons that he was here um, is, it, is it a case that the players that you get at this point in the season are a bit of a step down from the players that you may have been available to start or is it a case that it's just a 50-50 and you've just got to take that risk and, and see how it goes
2: I think it is more of a 50-50 you take it how it goes some of the players they've been picked up quite early by teams in Europe and then for some reason it's not worked out and then all of a sudden you've got like Storm for example we've got a few injuries so like last season we brought in Scotty Pitt that's a great great pick up I mean proven points going in the league so why not pick him up it helps it it makes the league even more competitive because even though, say for example, we've lost Mike Hammond for like 10 games or so because of an injury, we've been able to replace him with another player. Yeah, he might not score as many points as Mike Hammond, but he's going to make it more competitive still. So it it's better value for the league.
0: Yeah, no, I, uh, I completely agree and it's, it's certainly a sign that we're moving in the right direction. Obviously, the calibre of players that we brought in as well are obviously a sign of that. They'd also been able to bring in those guys for that coverage. Um, Andy, and I'll bring it back to you, because obviously I know that you've got a point to make about the Steelers-Panthers game. Um, you mentioned something about the overtime goal. Do you want to tell us a little bit more about that? Yeah. Um,
1: apparently, uh kind O'Connor of got an assist on that Um Goal from Pitt uh, and Buzio that fantastic tic-tac-toe uh, m- for the middle of the ice in the offensive zone and then uh, great pass from Buzio, uh, back door to beat Garnett uh, to Pitt it was a great goal by Pitt uh, but uh, yeah O'Connor o- was credited with an assist uh, even though he didn't touch the puck uh, and maybe that could have been a, a factor in O'Connor getting man of the match uh, but uh, from what I saw O'Connor didn't have a touch the puck, and, uh, although I think O'Connor had a very good game, fantastic game. Uh, I think the game-winner was was a really good goal, and I think Pitt probably should have got that in another match.
0: Yeah, it speaks volumes to me a little bit, doesn't it? I mean, it, I can see players getting random assists, um, you know, when they're playing five-on-five, five, there's obviously a lot for a referee to keep their eye on. You would have kind of thought the referee would have a bit more of an idea if every player on one team's touched the puck by the time the puck hits the back of the net. Um, I mean, there's only three players on the rink for either team. Should be a little bit easier to spot. Um, Yeah, I kind of agree in fairness. When O'Connor was given the man of the match, I I kind of wondered what was going on. As you say, he had a decent game. Probably not going to be the only man of the match that we see um, in picking up this season, but... No, I kind of agree, he, he, I didn't think he had a touch of the puck, but also in fairness I did kind of wonder why he'd been given man of the match. I thought there were a few, I you know, he was up there on my list, but I thought there were a few other players that probably deserved it before him. I mean Eberle puts the puts the effort in every game, never stops skating. Josh Pitt obviously with the nice finish. Um, Justin Buzio, because I've got him on the back of my jersey. I mean, because he had a decent game, Um But no, Gref, I mean, what's your take on it? Obviously, you may not have seen the game, but in terms of the refereeing, and I know that you kind of said that in your games, where it was let go and obviously where there were a few more fights and a few more incidents, I know that you said maybe the refereeing had a bit of a handle on that. Is it a bit of a sign, you know, that, that referees are missing the odd bit here and there? Is it a bit of a sign that maybe some further training is needed and that maybe games are being allowed to escalate a little bit more than
2: they should be now? I think it's more to just add a, an half game obviously two games this weekend maybe it's just, it just happens but then you come to the weekend after and they could have like the best game ever call everything straight as it should be it's they're only human like as we know ourselves being players one week we'll have an amazing game and the next game will be terrible it's uh, it's hu it's basically a human thing really.
0: It's true and I I'm in fairness, I've I've dabbled in a bit of refereeing as well and it, it's it's not easy and it's it's even it's even less easy when you get players that are starting to turn around and, and start shouting and getting their two penny thing because they think you've missed something. At the end of the day without the referees the game wouldn't run. It's as simple as that. Um do I think that uh, over the last couple of weeks, maybe they've not had the best games that I've seen? Yeah, I, I could see that. I don't, you know, I think I've seen better performances from referees at times, but you know, the refs can call what they can see. They have a big help now with you know being able to use goal line technology, being able to use that video replay um, on the goals, you know, from within the crease. So that's a great help. I mean, you look at the NHL now, look at the amount of cameras around the ring. The the offside camera that they have in the NHL, I don't know if either of you have ever actually seen the offside footage, but it's unreal. I mean, they could literally zoom in and see a player's skate an inch off the ice is how precise these cameras are. Um, I mean, in fairness, I I, I don't know what you think, I'll I'll bring the question to you, Andy, but... I mean it's some it's that's the next step that I can see us bringing in is a little bit more video help and i think in fairness that offside camera is probably the first thing that we're going to see come in
1: it's definitely yeah uh, it's it's not just your offside camera it's it those ipads as well i mean the most of technology in in hockey uh, especially in NHL, is it's it's gone to such a level now um even the coaches can challenge if if they feel like uh, there's a goaltender interference, they could just pull the iPad out, uh, and and the footage is literally like 30 seconds behind. So if they see something, they can go to those iPads and say, Oh, well, that was goaltender interference, and then challenge that. Um, I think that's also something that needs to be brought in because we can the coaches can't challenge for, uh, for, for a goal and interference if Revy's missed it and given it as a goal. So I think. Yeah, maybe it's uh, quite a few things we need to implement in in the Elite League as well.
0: Yeah, I mean, Gref, when when the league brought in the goal-line technology, they introduced the rule, and in my opinion, they only introduced the rule to make the rule book look a little bit more like the NHL. They said that a coach could request a goal-line technology review, and if the goal-line technology review was wrong... Then they lose the timeout like they do in the NHL. I don't know what you think, and I'll, I'll ask you this, but my honest opinion <laughs> completely stupid. Reason being, in the NHL, you can review the offside cameras. You can review anything that's gone on in the attacking zone for anything like goaltender interference. Um, you know, kicking motions, whether it crossed the line. And they have a million cameras. They have a camera inside the goal as to whether it crossed the line or whether there was goaltender interference. Realistically, in our league, all right now, maybe it extends to the crease where you can see whether it was kicked in. But most of the time, for me, those kind of reviews should be being made by the referees anyway. Because the only time that a coach is going to question it is if there's any question over whether the goal, the puck went over the line or whether there was goaltender interference. And for me, they're the two categories that a referee should be reviewing if there's any question, anyway. I, you know, they're not going to review an offside because it's the job of the line, and they're stood on the line. If the coach thinks it's offside, then they take the risk and they go, right, I want that reviewed. I just think whether the puck's gone over the line is kind of something that should be reviewed regardless. I just thought they just kind of introduced that rule to make it look like we were moving closer to the NHL when actually we need the cameras to mirror that, but I don't know what you think.
2: No, it's fine. There was an incident at the Storm Giants game this weekend where, obviously, there wasn't a coach's challenge, but they wasn't sure if it was goal interference or not. Hmm. They couldn't confirm directly if it was or not because it, it happened that quick. So, obviously, the Chets, the GLT, and then they confirmed it was a goal. Yeah. I have seen it happen this season and last season. Coach is challenging goals, saying, I don't think that was a goal. Yeah. I don't think that was a, a legal goal. And I've seen it happen where it's been given a clear goal, and, yeah, you've lost the timeout, which that's the, the price you pay. Unfortunately, that can also... If you need that a time out in like the last forty seconds of a game when you like the goal down, it can hinder it. But it's the price you pay.
0: Yeah, it's it's true. I I can kind of see why we brought it in. I just for me, I just think before we start bringing it in, I just thought we need to start bringing in a few more cameras. I just think you know that for me, the majority of the calls are going to be questioned by the by the coach. And in fairness. I'll I'll back myself up in this. It sounds like I'm backtracking, but when we first introduced that rule, the goal line technology was exactly what it said on the tin. It was just goal line technology. And for me then, it seemed like a very restrictive thing to say. A coach can question that. And, you know, if, if they're wrong, then they lose the timeout. Particularly for that, for me, I mean, the referees generally stood either on the goal line or behind the net. So that side of things more, for me, were... The things that shouldn't have really been questioned by the coach because the referee should have already questioned it. We actually saw it a couple of times. It's actually happened a couple of times in the NHL as well, where the referees reviewed and then gave a goal still, and then the coaches requested a review. They've reviewed it again and then changed the decision. Well, I just, I, I just don't understand how that goes on. But <laughs> um, well, we'll not, not go into that because that, that could end up talking for ages. Um, whilst we're on the whilst we're on the topic of new rules, obviously. We're a few weeks into the season. We've got a month and a bit into the season. Yep, you're signalling to me the late-hit rule there, Gref. Um, exactly what I'm going to say. Obviously, we brought in the late-hit rule. We brought in this delay-in-the-game rule for, for, for goalies if they're covering the puck unnecessarily. And obviously, the other key change was the, um, was the face-off rule. We're a, few, we're a month and a bit, to maybe two months into the season now. What do we think to these rules now? Uh, Andy, what, what's 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 your take on these rules? Have you really seen any any effect that they've had? Have you seen any of them actually being called?
1: Uh, I'm going to bring uh, the Steelers Panthers game from uh, Saturday into this. Uh, I'm sure I'm sure you you were the same, Joe. Um, I certainly saw a few late hits that probably should have been called. Uh, maybe it's just the refere- referees have not got the right. Uh, sufficient training on, on this and, and, and how to spot it uh, but for me there were quite a few that uh, def- definitely should have been called on that Saturday
0: yeah key one for me was the ta- it, it, it wasn't even a Panthers player or a Steelers player it was Tanner Ebele. absolutely lay out one of their guys about three or four seconds after he got rid of the puck And I just, in fairness, like me and my dad had been sat there throughout throughout the game, and a couple of times had gone, "That was a late hit. That was a late hit." And that one, that one with Tanner was just so blatantly obvious, and yet still the referee's arm stayed down. I'm just, that in fairness, I'm glad you brought that up. It's exactly the reason that I asked the question because right now for me, the league's making these new rules look pointless because the referees aren't calling them. Or not, or maybe 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 not calling them is a bit too far because they have been called at times. But in my opinion, aren't calling them as much as they should be. Gref I mean, you you probably seen some more games than me and Andy. I mean, what's your impression of it? What do you think? Do you
2: do you agree? I agree with both of you. definitely. Some of the hits that are late you think well, that's a late hit, definitely. And it's not getting called, but then I hate that. Is thrown a second after the puck's gone. So literally, they've gone into the hit after the whilst they're playing the puck, and you get given a late hit for that. And you're like, "That's clear hit." He's got the puck whilst he's going to play the hit. Yeah. <laughs> um. One of the calls, the new, one of the new calls, the the goaltender's delaying the puck, delaying the game. One of them, I, I it's happened at our rink with McKinn. Lack, lack of wits, he was going straight in on Ginn so Ginn obviously throws it but he got a penalty for it and I was like what how oh. well, I mean
0: flip side there, there were a few times where it happened in the game on Saturday I bring it back to the Steelers Panthers game just because it was the most recent one in my head but there were a few times in that game where I was looking at it from a fans perspective and thinking and again I mean it was Whistle as well as Garnet and I was I, I was sat there again going he could have easily let that go and there was no pressure on him there I don't know I just I don't know again it just kind of made me think I don't see the point in us bringing in these rules if they're not going to be implemented in the right way as you say the late hit rule for me it was obsolete from the start anyway in my opinion because a late hit generally would have been called as roughing or interference anyway so it was It was already going to be penalised as if it was a late hit. But when they brought in the rule, they just said if they essentially said if the referee interprets it to be a late hit, or is it, well, that's my impression of it. Anyway, that's my, that's my understanding of the rule. It was essentially if the referee interprets that a hit's made after after the puck's been played. What they should have been saying is if a player makes a play with a puck and then gets hit two seconds later or after that then it's called because as you say I mean a player gets hit a second after a call after he's made a play I mean a it may be that he's still making the play or b the player who's hitting him can't pull out because he's already committed to the hit They, they should be putting these parameters in to say if a goalie's got a puck under his glove and there's not a player around him for five seconds then that's the delay in the game or if a player gets rid of a puck and he's hit three seconds later then that's a late hit Right now, it's just a case of oh, whenever the referee fancies putting his arm up for it, that's when we'll give it as a penalty. It just seems a bit stupid. the o- The only one, in my opinion, that's actually had any difference is the um, it's the face off one. And I've I I haven't seen a delay in the game penalty called on face offs. The only difference it's making is you keep your centres in the face off circle. Um, I, I, again, I I'll mean, bring you guys in, and, and you guys obviously give your opinions on it. But uh, that's that's my take on on the new rules.
2: I I love the new face-off rule. I mean, it's great. You actually see actual face-off guys who pretty much practice every week their face-offs. It's great to see them actually being able to take the face-off and not getting chopped out or complaining at the referee at the linesman. Yeah. And then getting chopped out. So no, you you got one you got one strike, and the next minute, delay right, play a game. Yeah. It's great to see it. it sure? Makes you... the game more fast.
0: Yes, it certainly does. It adds a lot of uh, adds a lot of uh, fluidity to the game, if that's a word. I don't even know if that's a word. But <laughs> it certainly makes the game flow a lot more. Um, Andy, I mean, one, one player that we know particularly, and obviously that moved from us and went to Belfast, one player that I think may have uh, benefited possibly or maybe ended up with a lot of penalties from the delay in the game rule would have been Mike Forney. I mean, the guy seems to... to uh, to step out of the face-off circle more than anybody in the league. Well, I mean, <laughs> but it's certainly been interesting to see him uh, playing under the new rule.
1: Oh, it is, yeah. Uh, it's it's very, uh, very fun to watch, that's for show.
0: Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. Anyway, we'll, we'll move from the new rules. I just, I just thought I'd bring you guys in because it's something that I've been kind of complaining about to anybody who will listen over the last like couple of days after the Steelers game. Um... We'll move it on a little bit. We brought in the NHL a few weeks ago. I think actually I think it was one of the episodes where Yeah, you weren't here, And I know we talked about it last week briefly where we forgot about Gabriel Anderscog. Um, but I know that we brought in the NHL a couple of weeks previously. I think it was one of the episodes where you weren't in, Andy. Um, I mean again, NHL month or so in now. Gref, the tables have turned by the looks from last year. It's certainly looking a lot more interesting
2: especially for like, the last
0: five years for
2: us in, in, in Buffalo.
0: Yeah, certainly. Buffalo are now 13th in the league, obviously having uh, tanked last season and ended up getting Rasmus Darling as the number one draft pick. They have climbed their way up to 13th in the league with 11 points from 13 games. Andy, I know that you um you change your team uh, more than the wind changes direction, but... Uh, New Jersey Devils, bit of an up and down season for them. Maybe not quite as high as they were expected after last season's performance, but they've climbed up the table a little bit since the last time I looked. Now sitting nineteenth with eleven points from eight games. What what have you thought to the NHL this year, and maybe uh, on New Jersey's performance at the moment?
1: I think a lot of teams have uh, have just got a lot stronger. Uh, I mean, trades have been made, decisions have been made that have uh, really helped uh, the teams in terms of points and. Uh, and, and defending as well. I mean, uh, Keith Kincaid for the Devils, He's he's been absolutely outstanding. I think he's got two shutouts already this season, uh, and he's, 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 he's got very good uh, goals against average as well. I think it's uh, 0. 0.9, 0. 0.94 or something. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's really good as well. I mean, teams like Arizona, they uh, absolutely thumped Tampa Bay 7-1, uh, which is not great for my fantasy league because I've got four of Bay players in it. Uh, so yeah, it, just these teams, these unlikely teams that last year you saw well, struggling, that won't be in contention for anything. But you see you got teams like Montreal, they they're coming up really well. Uh, Arizona, uh, Colorado.
0: Yeah, I'm um, gonna say Colorado, hmm. one of the big ones for me. They're they're way up at the top end of the uh, top end of the table. Um, just trying to get the stats up for Keith Kincaid, as you say, because it's quite interesting to look at for him. Um, yeah, 92.5% safe percentage. Current goals against average is 2.12. Uh, I mean, this guy was... He was basically the backup last year, wasn't he, to Corey Schneider? And, he's, you know, Schneider's now... He, he's still in goal for you guys, but, I mean, Kincaid's certainly affirming his place as a starting netminder. It's, it's, uh, it's good to see. I mean, you he brought in Arizona, and, and in fairness, they're in a similar boat. Antti Ranta was obviously was the backup goalie for Rangers for a time, and then he's he's moving to um, he's moving to Arizona. Last year he, he had similar stats to Mark Andre Fleury. I mean the guy was so close to winning the Stanley Cup for the Vegas Golden Knights, in their inaugural season, and yet Antti Ranta's matching his stats, and he didn't even get a vote for the for the Vezina. But you know it, it's it is good to see, and as, as you say, I mean in fairness, the one for me at the moment that stands out. Other than a Pens fan seeing us sitting in seventh position at the moment, it's always nice to see, and Crosby bagging the uh, the sweet goals again last week. Just because I know Greff was willing me to say that, um, but now am in Colorado in third, Toronto in second. Um, I know Austin Matthews has taken a bit of a a bit of a knock, and he's going to be out for a few weeks, so that's going to be a big effect on them. But John Tavares certainly showing it wasn't just the pajamas that drew him to uh, to go in and playing in Toronto. Um, no I agree uh, and one team that we've seen maybe underperform over the last few years that, that are making their way back up is Chicago um, currently sat in sixth position obviously Andy I mean Chicago at one point were one of the most successful NHL teams in the last ten, five, ten years and then all of a sudden in the last couple of years they've not even made playoffs um, what do you think of do you know can you I mean, we, we all dabble in watching NHL. You know, we, we've all probably got an opinion on that. What do you think it is that's changed in Chicago to obviously get them so low down in the last couple of seasons and then obviously to get them to claw the way back up this season?
1: I think another, mm. another uh, reason is that he's like a goaltender. I mean, uh, Corey Crawford suffered, I would be concussion, he missed uh, quite a big chunk of last season. Uh, and he's, he's come back, he's, he's he's doing really well. uh the, the made a move. Uh, uh, for Cam Ward as well from Carolina, uh, he, he's been a really good backup. He's not got great uh, save percentage stats, but he's he's got he some great saves up. Uh, he's let like quite a few in though. But evening Ward and 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 having uh, Crawford for the foot as well. Uh, not, not to mention they've got Kane Taves, uh, Schmaltz as well, who's uh, stepped up for, for that line really really well. Uh, I think they've got a good uh, a good chance of of uh, finishing really well.
0: Yeah, it would be interesting to see, particularly in contrast, as you say, to the last couple of years. Um, goaltending formulates a huge part of everybody's season. Um, Greth. sticking on that kind of theme in terms of goaltending, do you think that's a big reason that currently the bottom three are the bottom three? I mean, you, I'm looking right now, 29th, you've got LA, 30th, you've got the New York Rangers, and then 31st, you've got the Detroit Red Wings. Do you think that can be attributed a little bit to a lack in the in goaltending at the back
2: I think it could be, yeah. I mean, no disrespect to the the king, as the, as he gets called in the, in the Rangers with Eric Lundqvist, and you got Jonathan Quick at LA Kings. But then the backups, yeah. Jack Campbell's now getting games because Jonathan Quick's injured. But they're not like as you would have saw as a, a Pens fan, where you had Flurry or Matt Murray. Mm. That was a great, that was a great duo to have. Oh, back in the day, for a savers perspective, Dominic Hasek and Mighty Viron. Yeah, we didn't win a Stanley Cup, but we got clubs.
0: Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree. And in fairness, I've always, I've said this for the last few years. I think, I think even now that the Pens have got one of the best goalie one twos in the league. Um, in fairness, you could even say one two threes, because right now we've got Matt Murray. Casey De Smith, Casey De Smith, who shut out uh, Vancouver over um, the weekend, where we got a five-nil win, um, so shut out for him. And then obviously we've got Tristan Jarry as well. I mean that's the three strong netminders, you know. But it, it, it is it's a lot. But, you know the, the NHL? They rely so much more on the backups than we do, and so having a, having a weaker backup can make all the difference. But Certainly makes me laugh to see Detroit in thirty-first at the moment, but that's just uh, that—that's more a personal thing. So please don't take any offence if anybody's a Detroit fan that listens to this. I always remember watching the Pens in the uh, in the O eight and 09 playoffs. Um, obviously, Detroit beat us in the first in the first matchup, and then we beat them in the second matchup to take a Stanley Cup each. But anyway, I think that's possibly one of the reasons that it makes me so happy to see them look so low down. But no, nah, it's it's good to see that such a mix-up in the league, but. I asked the question a few weeks ago. I'll ask it again That has been a bit of a change-up. Gref, if you were to pick one team this year to win the Stanley Cup, who would it be? If you had £10 in your pockets right now, you thought, right, I'm off down to Brooks. who would you put it on to win the Stanley Cup? And you can't split it. It
2: has to be just £10 on a team. <laughs> I probably I probably would actually put it in the... Uh, let's see. It would either be Nashville or Colorado... Parts of me wants to say Colorado the most, just because they're, they're being an unbelievable play at the moment. It's, it's good to see, mm-hmm. especially when they were so low down for the past few seasons. But I'd even, even with getting Austin Matthews back, Toronto would definitely have a good chance. Yeah. As much as that pains me to say that, being a Buffalo <laughs> fan and uh, being one of our closest rivals... But yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd probably put the £10 on Colorado to get at least to the final.
0: Fair play. Andy, What same question to you. You had £10 in your pocket. Who does it go on to win the Stanley Cup?
1: I'd a putting on the final being Toronto and Colorado with Colorado winning.
0: Hmm, interesting. As you see, I, I wouldn't put Colorado up there yet. I, I'd have Colorado winning that division. I wouldn't necessarily admit, possibly down to win their conference, but I wouldn't say just yet to win the Stanley Cup. I'd love to be proven wrong. Um, and as we said last week, now that we remember the uh, the names of all the people on that line, um, Landis Gog, <laughs> uh, Nathan McKinnon and and obviously tearing up the NHL at the moment. And that's one of the big reasons they're up so high. I kind of question whether Volarmov can carry the team enough to get them through to a Stanley Cup. Obviously, once you start to get into those playoffs, it's all about the wins and losses. You, you know, you can take a, you can take the odd loss here and there in the league at the moment. Maybe not so much in the playoffs, and I think that may be where they slip. Um, I'm I'm going to go for a bit of a different route. I'm going to say Winnipeg. I think you know, getting into the into the conference final last year, and obviously been uh, being knocked out by Vegas. I I could see Big Buff bringing some silverware home this year, and I'm not gonna lie, like I'd, I'd have that as my phone screensaver. It was just Buff holding up the Stanley Cup. I just think, yeah. Uh, but no, uh, you know, uh, you know, all joking aside, I mean, they've got Helly Book, one of the best prospect net miners in the league at the moment. And I say, I said, I don't say prospect in the same sense that maybe you look at rookies, but he's one of the younger guys, and um, you know, possibly in the same kind of shoes that Andre Vasilevsky was in a couple of years ago. Only for my personal Output from, from my first personal look on that is I think Hellebuck's a much stronger goalie than Vasilevsky was, um, is even sorry, but it was at that age. I think Hellebuck, obviously, they've got Wheeler still, they've got Buff. I just think they've got a strong team, and I think every department they've got a strong team. So I, I, I'd put my tenor on
2: Winnipeg, but certainly be interesting to see. You don't anyway, have to see that horrible like beard that Patrick Larney does as well then. That's
0: also true. And talking <laughs> about horrible beards, apparently Joe Thornton shaved his off. But I haven't seen that yet. I haven't seen that yet.
2: Um, I have seen that horrible bit. It was horrid.
0: <laughs> I'll ask one more NHL-related question before we get back to the Elite League. Um, mainly just because it interests me to see what your guys' outputs are. Tom Wilson makes a bad hit on Oscar Sunkfist the NHL big slap on the wrist. Um, they certainly go down almost, almost down the graffi Torres route. Twenty-game suspension. Andy, what, what did you think to that? Was that the right suspension? Was it a bit extreme? What was your what was your interpretation of it?
1: I think it was the right thing, uh, especially from what I see from Tom Wilson. He, he is a player who can lose. He's, uh he's cool quite a bit. Uh, he's, he's made some bad hits in the past, especially the uh, Stanley Cup uh, playoffs last season. Uh, so I, I think it is uh, a fair suspension. Although I, I have heard that he is uh, trying to uh, appeal appeal that decision and and, and get it reduced further. Uh, but now, for me, uh, a very uh, fair fair punishment for me. But
0: well, they reviewed it, then, didn't they? And they upheld the suspension, so I'm not sure if he's going to get any change in it. But. Uh, I'm not sure. It'd be interesting, Griff. What What did you think?
2: No, I think it, I think Andy's spot on there. I think it was a the correct decision. He's he's got the tag of the repeat offender, and you've seen it in the NHL. You've got that tag. Your games are going up and up and up every time you get in a, a hearing. Especially with like the Rafa Torres, he got a big suspension. You you've seen it happen and you know it's going to happen
0: yeah no, I, I agree and I, and I think I think based on the hit alone 20 games is excessive um, I don't I mean in fairness he destroyed him I mean Sunkwist had no idea where he was after that hit um, if anybody that's listening hasn't seen the hit I very much recommend you go and watch it on YouTube not necessarily the nicest thing to see but certainly um, a textbook hit to the head I think probably he'd have been looking at about a six, seven game mark had he not been a repeat offender. He only played 15 games since his last suspension for checking to the head because he he was given a suspension in round two of the playoffs last year against the Pens. He actually hit Brian Dumoulin one game, knocked him out and gave him concussion and didn't get a ban for that. The next game he came out, hit Zach aston reese straight on shoulder to jaw and broke his jaw and was given, I think, a three-game or maybe a six-game. I can't remember. I'm pretty sure it was a three-game suspension then. And then he's played 15 games or so since then. And then he's done this to this. I just think that the NHL has certainly taken a stand and I think they're probably right to do so. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think he's got about 12 games or so left, I think, on the suspension. But it'll be interesting to see. But certainly, I kind of expected it when I saw the hit. I expected it to be double figures um, just because of his track history. And I think Bettman, you know, Bettman's doing his best, I think, along with the rest of the NHL to throw out fighting and to throw out that side of it. And that. and then Wilson comes in like that. They were always going to throw a bucket in, him, but... Always interesting to see as that kind of thing happens. i would be interesting to see if Marshand made a similar play and got the same hit. Um, I don't know what you guys think. I'll throw it out to both of you rather than asking you specifically, but I, I don't know. I, I wonder sometimes if Marshand's given less, less, less bans because of his status as more of an elite player. Um, I think if a player like Rafi Torres or Tom Wilson had thrown in half the slew foots or clipping penalties that that Marchand threw in or if Tom Wilson had licked a guy in the face in the playoffs I, I think they'd have been looking at a bigger ban than Marchand's getting I, I kind of wonder if that's because of his, his status as that kind, that kind of premium player
2: I think that mainly is the, the case because Marchand can he, he, he can he can be like your 20 goalscorer or more a season everyone knows Brad Marchand I mean, when they played in China, even the Chinese fans were booing him. <laughs> it's like that's that's brilliant. Even Chinese people know he what the type of player he is, and they don't like him. Like you get your fans in the NHL, minus the Boston fans, everywhere just booing. Yeah, it's brilliant. <laughs> What do you reckon, Andy? Do
0: you agree? Do you think it? Do you think it may be down more to the fact that he can score the goals as well as make the hits, or do you just think it's that he's not played as dirty as, or he's not made as dirty hit as as, as players like Torres and, and Wilson?
1: I think it could be. I mean, uh, the things we see in Marsh and uh, the, as as of late, they've been more um, more licking and a bit biting. Then the hits, and I I suppose that is a bit less dangerous than uh, throwing a really bad hit. So maybe that's a a contribution. Um, But yeah, still, um, I think it's great from the the that they are willing to give uh, these suspensions. But it's just just like set set an example uh, to repeat offenders to say, well, well, this is what you could get if you do keep 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 doing this, basically. Um, so yeah, I think it is a again a fair suspension, and a, I think kind of in Marshan doing a, a dirty uh, dirty sort of hit as well. I, I I think he will get the same sort of punishment for that. Fair
0: play. No, I, I, you know it's, it'd be interesting to see. I, I don't think Marshan steps up his, his play to that kind of level. His his kind of play is a lot more subtle. Uh, do you know the even the slew foots, I mean, you can watch videos on YouTube where you just search Brad Marshand, and one of the first suggested videos is Brad Marshand slew foot compilation. But I think they're a lot more subtle than a guy who just goes and drills a guy in the head. Um, and obviously, they they are still a dangerous play. But I mean, you, there's no question for me that the danger in the kind of hit that Wilson and Torres have made is a lot higher than the hit that that Marshand have made. I think ten. 10 slew foots wouldn't even match up to the kind of hits that you were seeing from Wilson and, and, and Torres, particularly the one on Sunkvist. And obviously, I mean, in fairness, Torres, when he drilled, I think it was Cogliano, wasn't it, that he drilled, like, just, just don't know where they are. No idea where <laughs> they were. I mean, that could end a career. Look at Marion Hosa. Marion Hosa was the person before um, the 41 gamer that T- Rafi Torres got, and, and he his career was never the same after that hit. So no, I, I I agree. It's just a just a little brain teaser, just something to a bit of food for thought. Because I always wonder that. Yeah, not necessarily if the suspensions don't come, but maybe just if a blind eye is turned on the less dirty moves just because of because of that status. But um, be interesting to see how the how the year pans out in the NHL. But moving it back to domestic league, moving it back to the the topic of the podcast in the elite league. Got a few games coming up. We've got some on Wednesday, some on Friday, and then obviously the usual Saturday-Sunday fixtures. So we'll go with the usual. I will read out each fixture, and then we'll just go round and just see who predicts who to see if we get as predictions as drastically wrong as we usually do. (laughs) So, um, Glasgow clan v Cardiff in Glasgow on Wednesday. Gref, what are we thinking?
2: I think it's going to be because it's a league game Cardiff
1: Andy? I'll go with Cardiff as well yeah
0: Full House I'll go with Cardiff as well can't see any other result on that one even though it is in Glasgow Um, same day Halloween Steelers v Coventry in Sheffield Andy?
1: I think Steelers will be buzzing from that uh, Saturday still uh, so I'm going with Steelers win Gref? I'm going to say Steelers win as well
0: I'm gonna go slightly different on that one. Actually, I'm gonna to go to Coventry win. I think. <laughs> I don't even know what. Have no idea what that's gonna sound like on the recording there, Andy. <laughs> I'm certainly showing the shock there. No, I think um, you know. I agree. Buzzing off the win on Saturday. Maybe lost a bit of momentum in not having a game on Sunday. Oh, obviously, you know they, they're going into it after only one game at the weekend. Um, so yeah, I'm going Coventry, and also whenever I vote against the Steelers winning uh, we win so <laughs> double whammy for me um, yeah so moving on to Friday the 2nd of November we have Fife v Belfast in Fife um, I'll kick this one off I actually think the pesky Flyers will get the win in Kikadi there. there
2: um, Gref what do you think I think yeah you, you're right there
1: I'd probably say Fife as well Andy? I've got to agree Fife as well
0: uh, and then same day Friday Panthers v Storm in Nottingham Gref we'll start with you see so that you can get the Storm prediction out of the way
2: uh, yeah I've got a, I'll say Storm win Andy, after all the time though after OT fair enough Andy
1: I think a Panthers win
0: yeah 4-0 smashing for Storm on Sunday against Guildford I can't see any other result I'm going to go with a Panthers win as well um, and then when the Panthers win, we will show how much of a Homer Greth is. Um, Saturday, um, Milton Keynes take on Guildford in MK. I'm going to go with Guildford on this one. Milton Keynes don't seem to be putting up any decent results at the moment. Um, Andy, what what do you reckon?
1: Guildford's well, form Guildford's form Guildford has been amazing, so I'm going to go Guildford for a win.
0: Greth, you in agreement, or would you go the alternate? direction
2: and uh, and go with Milton Keynes no I'm in, I am in agreement I'd say Guildford.
0: fair enough then we've got Storm v Flyers in Manchester Greff will get your prediction out of the way again because I think we all know what it's going to be
2: it's I, I think as much as it hates me I hate to say it I think it's going to be fine <laughs> they've just got just. Uh, their play so far this season is just great
0: yeah fair play Um Andy,
1: I think a Flyers, Flyers win. Flyers
0: win too. Yeah, I can't disagree. To be fair, I'm gonna go Flyers as well. Uh, then Saturday again, Steelers v Dundee. Andy, what do we think?
1: Oh, uh, I'll go with Steelers.
0: Yeah, I'll go with Steelers on this one. In fairness, I think we can get a win against Dundee. Gref?
1: I think you can
2: get this one. Yeah, uh, I'm gonna say Steelers.
0: Uh, and then again same day Saturday again home game for the Cardiff Devils against Coventry I'll kick this one off because I don't see any other result in this other than Cardiff getting a win Gref
2: I agree Cardiff win
0: Andy
1: I can't see uh, anything but Cardiff
0: full house on that one again then we've got Glasgow v Belfast in Glasgow Andy what do you reckon
1: Um probably say a Belfast win Gref I kind of want to say a
2: Glasgow win
0: oh you've put me on a you've put me in a difficult position now I'm at like a tiebreaker I'm <laughs> going to go with Andy it's got to be a Belfast win for me I think uh, then we skip forward to the Sunday another day off for the Steelers because uh, for whatever reason we just don't seem to like Sundays at the moment uh, but Nottingham v Cardiff in Nottingham oh. and that is keep in mind oh no it isn't I was going to say the third game in three days for Cardiff but no it's not because they play on Wednesday not Friday so ignore me on that one Gref what do you think?
2: I think that's going to be a really tough game I'm going to say Cardiff but after penalty shots ooh penalty shots Andy
1: Um, because of Panthers form as of late I'm going to go with the Cardiff
0: yeah I'm going to agree again Cardiff I'm going to go OT um, cap off a six point week for Cardiff I think Uh, Stars Giants in Dundee I'll keep this one off and I think Belfast will get this one
2: Andy
1: I think Belfast too
0: Gref
2: yeah I'm going to say Belfast as well
0: Full house on that one as well. Um, Coventry take on the Five Flyers in Coventry, and sorry, I just realised I didn't ask anybody then that what we thought was going to happen. Um, this actually is three games in three days for Five, and I think he may be one too many. I'm going to go with Coventry win at home on this one. Gref,
2: I'm going to say Five because. Five foot down here in Manchester, so then they're, they're going to probably stay over, and they're not going to have far to go then.
0: Yeah, true, true. Andy.
1: Yeah, I think they'll they'll love uh, for through the travel uh, and the coalition arrangements, and we're staying pretty close to where they are the next day. So I think I think it won't make a difference, and I'm going to go with the Flyers win.
0: Fair play, and the last game of the weekend. And in fairness, the last game in terms of time as well, 6pm face-off. The only team that seems to actually be sticking to 6pm face-off at the moment. Um, Guildford Flames at home to the Milton Keynes Lightning. Um, Andy, what do you reckon? Guildford, 100%. Yeah, I agree. Guildford can't see any other result out of that one. Greth.
2: I can't see any other result than Guildford as well. And that's the last Challenge Cup game as well, at the group stages
0: fair play so all will be tied together and hopefully next week we should be discussing who is through to the next round of the challenge Cup and maybe even discussing some of the matchups as well um, but we will see what the results are so a full house to tie up um, the predictions for the upcoming fixtures and uh, in fairness gents I think that brings us to a close um, so as usual keep following us at MFZ podcast on Twitter it's My Fancy Zamboni podcast on Facebook keep putting any questions to us that you've got I appreciate that we didn't really leave much room for that this time round because um, episode 7 was only published on Sunday um, Sunday morning and we are recording on Monday evening this week so appreciate we've not left much time for that this week but if you have got any questions let us know as I say any of the topics that we've discussed let us know if you disagree or you agree uh, and keep the feedback coming as well Uh, but for now Mr Gareth Dutton thank you very much
2: thank you for having me
0: no problem at all a pleasure as always Andy thank you very much for joining us again
1: thanks again Joe cheers
0: always again a pleasure as always and thank you very much from me as well as I say Dave isn't available this week because he's on his swannies in New York Um, we all wish him the best on his holiday and hope that he enjoys it and Hope that the Penguins smash the Islanders so that he doesn't come home too and soon. And, and, and the Sabres as well. I'll, I'll vouch for you on that one, Gref. But no, thank you very much, to everybody that's listening, and uh, we'll see you soon for another episode.